Welcome to the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, John Lawson, Senior Wealth Advisor at Asante Wealth Management and Sauna Family Office. We're always looking for unique ways to educate our client families and be introduced to new clients. At Sauna Family Office, we help business owners and affluent families navigate the complexities of their wealth through a variety of wealth management and family enterprise oversight services. Today on Wealth Wisdom, I'm very excited to speak with my partner, Josh Dick, who co-founded Sauna Advisory Group and Sauna Family Office with me, the entities through which we serve our client families. We are an incredibly unique team as both of us are actually born and raised in BC. I was born in Campbell River, Josh in Tawasset. Josh then moved to Saskatchewan to complete his business admin degree. Then he spent a few years working in financial advising and management at a big blue chartered bank. And as I like to say, this is where we rescued him from. So he moved back to BC with his wife, Megan, and two children, Lyndon and Hannah, to join us in 2015. Josh is a CFP and is just completing his CIM designation. Great to have you back on the podcast, Josh. Today, we're going to talk about the five main stresses we have found families that are referred to us have. I'm excited to walk through this with you, and hopefully it'll help people understand they're not alone in these worries and that there are solutions and peace of mind for you. You just need to take the first step. And so, Josh, let's start with that. What is the first step? Thanks for having me back, John. It's been a few months since I've been able to uh, be on the podcast here with you. Um, But great topic. And, you know, the first thing is really just to reach out. Um, You know, when our clients are referred to us uh, or they reach out to us, we start with an initial phone call. Um, And what we're trying to do is really better understand our clients and their families and what's important to them. And we try to do it in a way that really takes all the pressure out of that uh, discussion. We're, we recognize that we're not going to be a great fit for everyone. And so really what we try to do is refer to it similar to the dating world is that that first meeting is really a first date. And what we're trying to understand is, does it make sense for, for both of us to take that next, uh, next step and do a second date? And so we try to do that to take a little bit of pressure off it and, and refer to it in those uh, terms. But really in all, in all seriousness, really what we're trying to do is figure out, are we a good fit? personality, expectations, philosophy on investing, and are we going to be able to add value? And so if we are great, we move to the second date or the second meeting. And from there, we can set our priorities. We can agree on what this relationship looks like moving forward. But more importantly, if we're not a fit, we're fine to identify that and we're fine to move those families on to maybe someone who might be a better fit for them. Well said, Josh. And that's a great high level of how we start out relationships. I'll maybe touch on why we do this. Firstly, we do understand that for some people, this can be a stressful time in itself, just like a first date. So our goal is to have people come to us knowing it's a win for them, whatever the outcome. As you said, if we're a great fit, awesome. But if we're not, we will give you our feedback and then we'll try and find somebody who is a better fit. Either way, you are getting the help that you need and moving past that first step. Secondly, this is not something that we or you as the client want to go through over and over. Our relationships are long and multi-generational and yours should be too. 
This is a leap of faith on both sides when the relationship first starts. Trust is earned and built over time. That's why we spend the time in this initial phase to really get to know families and only move forward if we both agree we think it's the right fit. So when we're going through this process, we touch on five main areas that we find families are stressed about. And so we ask them, literally, we ask them on a scale of one to six in your current situation, how comfortable and confident are you in? And Josh, maybe you can take it away from there. What's the first question we ask? Yeah, the, you know, that first question is, is really all about, you know, what is, the, um, what is their comfort level to make the right choices to make sure that they can achieve retirement, but also, you know, live an impactful life. Um, you know, we find that, you know, as our clients um, build wealth, there's a, a growing desire to actually live an impactful life. And so back to, you know, the initial steps is that's why it's so important for us to really understand what's important to them, because if we don't know what those driving forces are, it's very difficult for us to help them achieve those things. Absolutely. But it, it is yeah. it is pretty amazing to see, you know, we see people from all different walks of life and all different uh, types of businesses and an impactful life is defined very differently from uh, family to family. It is, isn't it? And uh, let me touch on the retirement side uh, too, because it's, it's sometimes I get a funny look if if people are asking me about this, and they uh, they say, "Well, you know, often you deal with business owners that um, their their whole family enterprise it's worth millions and millions. Uh, so how could they possibly be worried about uh, retirement? But retirement means something different to everybody, and just because they have a family enterprise doesn't, necess doesn't necessarily mean they have a lot of liquid uh, uh, investments that can produce cash flow once, say, they transition this over to kids, if that's what they plan to do. How are the kids going to pay for it? Um, is, is it going to be enough to fit their lifestyle? Because as you point out, everybody's idea of an impactful life and how they want to live their life is different. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really a very unique question for each and every person. And it's amazing how many people are stressed about this and just don't have uh, the confidence that they know and understand where they're at. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know, even between spouses, we still see that too. Uh, the difference in, in what does that look like. And so um, uh, we talk about it a lot, but it's, 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 it's crucial for us that we meet with both spouses so that we get impact from both of them uh, in what that looks like as they move forward. So um, absolutely. The, the second one that we, that we talk about is, is the, the comfort uh, of the client and their ability to mitigate taxes um, that they pay. And so this is an interesting one because I think sometimes we, when you think about taxes, we just think about the here and now, but really there, there's a couple, you know, main pieces to the puzzle, right? There's the ongoing taxes that we pay as a, you know, as you earn an income uh, along the way uh, year over year, but then there's also the taxes from, you know, triggering a, a big event, whether it's a selling a business, um, selling rental properties, whatever it might be. And then of course the, the one at the end, right? That big estate tax bill. 
Um, so there's a couple different areas uh, when it comes to the tax piece that I think are important to, to understand. And through proper detailed planning, we can first identify where is that tax bill coming from? Why is it there? And then from there, we can dig into, you know, how do we mitigate that? What's the best way to do it? And, 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 and what, uh, which ways of, of those is the client comfortable uh, pursuing? Yeah, and it's it's not like the ta- uh, the tax laws ever change either, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um, I totally agree with you, Josh. And the uh, whether it's through uh, uh, corporate structuring uh, or whether it's something as simple as how you hold your investments. Investments aren't all taxed equally, um, so why would you hi- uh, hold? a very high tax paying investment in a non-registered account where it's just full on tax to you, uh, where you could put it within a tax sheltered account um, and and have a much more efficient uh, uh, type of investment outside. So there's, there's, you're right, there's so many different aspects of it. And quite frankly, most people uh, just don't think about the wider scope of it. As you say, they look at it as, uh, okay, uh, no, I don't like how much tax I pay, but don't, not really sure what I can do about it. Yeah. What about uh, point three there, Josh? Yeah. The thir- third one talks more about, you know, the comfort level to take care of one's heirs uh, uh, or passing the wealth on. Um, and so this is an interesting one as well. Again, it really comes back to what's priority, you know, as you can attest to, we, we see all different forms of, of what that looks like and, and who those, uh, who those heirs are, you know, whether it's children, uh, whether it's grandchildren, whether it's charities, it looks very different for, for everyone. But I think what's important is to understand how to, how to effectively make sure that that transitions executed properly and efficiently. Um, so the priority piece, again, back to what we talked about off the top is, is really about understanding what's important and, and setting those, those goals. And then from there, it's really about you know, diving in and, and executing. Yeah. And uh, just wanted to add another point there that sometimes happens and, and you have to uh, be very cognizant of this. And, and so when you're dealing with advisors, um, they, you know, some of us, uh, as they say, geek out on this and we get really excited and, and you can build this amazing uh, um, estate planning structure uh, and it's incredibly tax efficient and all these different parts to it. But the bottom line is, is it doing what you want it to do? Um, it's, it's not always about, in, in some cases, it's not always about tax efficiency. Sometimes people are willing to pay a little bit more money because it better accomplishes what they want to accomplish in the end. Um, so uh, as we've been saying already in the first two points, incredibly unique per family and per person. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the fourth one there is a little bit uh, different. Uh, it talks about um, uh, one's ability uh, to be protected from assets being unjustly taken. So uh, this one's a little bit harder to define, but I like to wrap it up. And the, the bottom line is that life happens. Um, and when life happens, um, you know, issues or threats can peek their head out. 
And if not properly protected, uh, what's going to then happen to those assets or that wealth that, you know, clients have, have worked really a lifetime to build and, and lots of times don't have enough life left to rebuild. Um, and so it's really about just understanding what are those potential threats and, and is, is the proper safety mechanisms really in place to protect against them. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, interesting when you say it, it, it is a different question and how many times have we run into this and people uh, actually verbalize, I'm not quite sure what you mean about that, but what jumped into my head was, hey, my, my son or my daughter has been living with somebody for over a year now. Um, what happens if that doesn't work out? I've given them a bunch of money to help buy a house. Um, what happens? And so there's, as you say, there's life happens and there's all sorts of different variations of it. Um, what we view our job is, is we're there to stress test. We're there to try and uh, poke holes and play devil's advocate and say, what if, what if, what if? And sometimes the decision is to do nothing. If it happens, it happens. But at least that's a conscious decision. And you've had the, the ability to wrap your brain around it and think about it and make a conscious decision about it. Yeah, I think, you know, what, what do we always say? Making sure our clients have the information to make a fully informed decision, right? So yeah. uh, really going back to that. Um, and like you said, maybe there is no, no action taken, um, but at least they understand the potential impact. Yeah. And <laughs> the fifth and final uh, stress point, and, and let's be clear, it's not really the final one, but this is number five of the top stresses we find. Yeah, the fifth one is is really about uh, one's ability to make a bigger impact uh, through charitable giving, and I, I know John, you've talked about this before on the podcast, and and had guests on who could speak into this side. But you know, as Canadians continue to build wealth, and I think just become more aware, um, there's there's a bigger desire to give back, uh, to give back to the the community or or maybe even more global community uh, that we live in, and so there are some really, really great ways to, to do that. Um, and so we spend some time educating our clients as to how, how does that happen? And, and maybe you can touch on a little bit, John, but how do you leave a, a, a legacy uh, of giving uh, for the family, for the next generations, is, if that's something important? Yeah, and you're right. So I'll, I'll, I'll run with that one for a second. Um, one of the things that we find that is incredibly, um, we keep saying this word impactful, but it is the, what, what clients, what resonate with clients when we uh, talk about this is actually setting up uh, either a family foundation or a uh, donor advised fund. So essentially it is a type of family foundation and that money lives in perpetuity. And so what we really find lights up the eyes is grandparents uh, saying, hey, I can actually work with my grandkids to teach them about giving back. And so you have this money invested 
you, yes, you get a tax credit from it, but quite honestly, that's not the big driving factor for people. The fact is they can sit down either on a semi-annual or annual basis. They have a family meeting, the grandchildren there, and they lay out, okay, we've got X amount of dollars to give away this year. Who are we going to give it to and why? And to, to just involve and connect with their grandkids in that way. Oh my goodness. It's just been huge for families. So that's, that's one way. And I think what you were alluding to there, Josh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you nailed it. Yeah. Um, it's uh, that generational passing that down uh, is, is, is special to see when we see clients implement strategies like that. Yep. And then the other part with that just maybe is a, a little add on, which, uh, I'll often say I didn't hear, but uh, when those grandparents are gone, the the grandkids, uh, they, they carry the torch and they want to do that with their kids and their grandkids. And, um, you know, I, I intentionally skipped over the first part from uh, uh, the, the, the client to their grandkids because that really seems to be where we see clients' eyes light up. Um, we always joke that, uh, ah, kids, it's, it's the grandkids that they're, uh, uh, most, uh, enamored with, but, uh, um, it is, it, it's a chance to, if you start early enough or it's never too late really to start, but with your kids and, uh, what we find then is then grandkids start working with their kids and it becomes more of a way of life. And again, this, this goes in perpetuity and uh, they can grow it and it really becomes a bonding centerpiece uh, for, the, uh, for the family. It's, it's amazing to, uh, to watch. Um, there's, there's other ways too, uh, just simple ways with, uh, to have a bigger impact. Uh, so um, maybe touch on a, another, uh, another point there, Josh. Yeah, so there's you know there's lots of different ways to give, and and there's lots of ways uh, to give efficiently and effectively. And so another way to do that is rather than you know a lot of times we see clients come to us and say you know I want to pull money from investments because I want to give. Uh, their strategy is in place where you can actually not have to pull money out of the investments directly, which triggers that tax bill lots of times, but you can actually just give those investments directly to the charity. And so what this does for them is it allows them to give more um, and then not pay the tax. So it's a very efficient way to give. Uh, and we find that it's, it's, it's a way that um, resonates really well because uh, you're, you're kind of getting two birds with one stone in, in reducing tax, but also, you know, maximizing the giving available to, to the family in, in situations like that. Yep. Great point, Josh. And uh, maybe I'll add to that one too. Uh, sometimes we joke a little bit about uh, uh, you. You have two kids, but did you realize that you, uh, when you pass away, uh, you you actually have a, a third child, and and that third child's going to get half of your uh, RIFs or RSPs. And and it's just a little bit of a lighthearted way to say that CRA is that third child. And uh, if you have a uh, large uh, RSP or RIF, uh, essentially half of that money is going to CRA. Um, so one of the, again, planning has to be in place to make sure you understand all the aspects. But if you make the charity your beneficiary, CRA essentially gets zip. 
and uh, that can be a motivating uh, factor for people to uh, to adjust things within their plan. Do not do this in isolation. Uh, that uh, we always talk about this, and it's our mantra: plan first, execute second. Uh, it's almost like the uh, the old saw of measure twice, cut once. Um, so that's uh, that's uh, that's another uh, quick point that you made me think of. Uh, and then, uh, is there anything else on your side? Because I, I have a closing comment on this charitable uh, side. Uh, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think you nailed it there when you, when you said, you know, never in isolation. And, you know, as we've walked through these different pain points, you know, they are all interconnected, uh, to some degree, you know, it's, it's, you can't look at them in isolation of each other because in the bigger picture, they all, uh, impact one another. So I think that's a great point is that, you know, it really does have to be, um, holistic, um, fully thought through, um, and, um, yeah. And then implemented, um, not in a siloed approach. Yeah. Great, great point. So I'll just one last little touch on the charitable side. If you haven't, uh, listeners out there, if you haven't listened to this segment with Paul Nazareth, uh, he is an amazing speaker. Number one, he's very dynamic, um, but the passion about charitable giving comes through. And one of the things that he talks about is that it's, it's not the dollars, it's not the tax, it's about the heart. This is where people give from. It's all about that. And so when we talk about these different things, um, different strategies and ways to do things, that's all they are. It's kind of a menu uh, but what is most important is what moves you, what impact do you want to have? And, uh, and then we find whatever works to make sure that we amplify that uh, for you and that you can actually uh, know that you are, are doing what you want to do. So to sum it all up, Josh, this process of discovery leads to deeper discussions. It helps us and quite frankly, often the family understand what is stressing them. And from there, we prioritize planning, work on solutions, and ultimately start on the path of de-stressing by giving the family the confidence and the knowledge that they will be okay. And incredibly important that they have a trusted advisor now that is there by their side every step of the way. Again, a big thank you to my partner, Josh Dick, for being our guest today on Wealth Wisdom Podcast. On our next episode of Wealth Wisdom, I'll be speaking on private equity. Private equity is a very misunderstood uh, asset class. There's many different levels to it. And so we're going to dig into it and try and simplify it and clarify what private equity is. And maybe I'll touch a little bit here too. Why do we talk about it? The reason is, is that a portfolio that we had 10 years ago is not the same portfolio that we have now. And the portfolio that we have now will not be the same portfolio that we have 10 years from now even five years from now, we are constantly changing and tweaking. And private equity is one of those tools that we use to try and keep that rate of return up 
And while we're working on trying to keep that level of volatility down. So again, our goal is to educate you and engage you, our audience. If you have any topics that you would like us to dive into deeper, please let us know. This feedback and you giving us a review would be very much appreciated. For those of you who don't know the origin of the name Sauna Family Office, it stems from the meaning of Asante, which is Swahili for thank you. However, the most commonly spoken phrase in Swahili regarding Asante is Asante Sauna, which means thank you very much. The name represents our gratitude towards all the families and business owners that have chosen our team as their trusted advisory council. So until next time, Asante Sana. Hi, I'm Trevor Beggs from Sana Family Office, and thanks for listening to John Lawson and the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. Here are the necessary disclosures. Asante Capital Management is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the above, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed here are not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast.